Hi, I'm Lisa Levin. And I'm Julie Sapper. We're the co-founders of Run Farther and Faster and co-hosts of the podcast under the same name. While we started this podcast as a Boston Marathon-focused podcast based on the experiences from our combined 31 finishes, we cover all things running-related. We've coached runners of all levels and goal distances all over the world for over 13 years. Thanks so much for joining us. We are so excited you're here. Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. We are recording today the day after the Chicago Marathon. First of all, welcome back and congratulations. You had a fantastic race and we're going to cover that today. So I'm not going to do a lot of talking today. I want you to do. Um, so why don't we get started? How was your weekend, Lisa? Um, the weekend was kind of a whirlwind and just uh, really um, I'm still processing all of it. It was um, actually, to be honest, one of a lot of mixed emotions. Um, well, first of all, I should just back up. I, I went up late Friday, so I, I knew it was going to be a quick, a quick trip up. I went up late Friday. Um, like I, my flight left here, I think at eight o'clock or yeah, it was like 8 PM. So that's not, uh, that's 7 PM Chicago time. And I landed at like 10 PM Chicago time. I think I, I don't know. It was pretty late. And, um, I just took a shuttle to a nearby, um, midway, I flew into Midway, which for anyone listening who's planning to go to Chicago for any purpose, but particularly the marathon, super easy to fly into Midway. Um, so I flew into Midway and there are a host of um, uh, hotels that are affordable near the airport. So I, instead of going into the city to stay for the night, I just took a shuttle, super easy from Midway. You just go wait, get on the shuttle. Um, comes every few minutes, even late at night. Uh, and you hop on the shuttle, it takes you to all the um, airport hotels. Um, so within, you know, 20 minutes of landing or so I was in my hotel room. Uh, so really, really easy. So, um, I, you know, went to sleep. Uh, I knew, um, our, our, uh, RFF alum friend, former podcast guest, uh, Rabbi Lori Rice, uh, from Nashville, Tennessee is coming in for, for the, for the marathon. Um, she's actually sort of the, compel- the reason that I decided to do the marathon, we had both gotten into the age group, uh, uh, the, the, um, world Abbott, the, the Abbott world marathon majors, uh, World Age Group Championship. I'm, I'm butchering that, but it's the World Age Group Championship. Uh, we had both gotten into that, and when we had gotten into that, she she encouraged me. She said, "Come, we'll share a hotel room, and um, you know, we'll make a, a weekend of it." So, so she was coming in on Saturday morning. So, I my plan was to go back uh, Saturday morning to meet her at the air at Midway, and we would go into the city together. So, um, really easy to get to the to the airport hotel. I did wake up on. Um, uh, Saturday morning early and decided to go for a little shakeout run around Midway, which so anyone who's running, who, who is staying near Midway and running, I know I was like, well, where do you go? But I will say well, that wait, it's, it's actually lovely. I think it's Cicero, Illinois is the city that Midway is in. C-I-C. Oh, I think one of the streets was Cicero. I think yeah. one of the streets. Yeah. So I went across the street from the hotels and there was just a little residential area that had some streets that were like parallel to each other. They were actually one way streets. I know it wasn't anything scenic. It wasn't anything but it gave me about three miles to run up and down the streets. And also my big thing is I wanted to test out the weather on Saturday morning was looked almost exactly, exactly the same as it was forecast to be for Sunday morning. So I wanted to try out, what does it feel like? I, we haven't had cold weather and I am a, a um, cold weather wimp. And so when I saw that the start was going to be about 45 degrees, I got really panicky, like, Oh no, don't I'm gonna wear leggings. I'm gonna wear long sleeves. And I decided, um, uh, <laughs> I would, uh, I would wear, uh, I, I would try shorts and see how that went. So I, I, I decided I would go test the weather and it turned out it was a beautiful, beautiful morning. And, um, 
uh, and, and it worked out fine. The shorts felt shorts felt comfortable and the temperature, even in my long sleeves, it was a little bit warm. So I felt confident with the, with my choices of attire for, for the next day. So I did that a quick little shakeout run. Um, and, uh, when I got back to the hotel, I was getting ready to go meet Lori and, um, you know, just on a personal note, um, you and I have both been talking about this a lot, and this is obviously a, a big news item, but I, I learned about what was going on in Israel, um, which are basically unprecedented terrorist attacks that happen in Israel. And um, so that was a, a kind of a, all of a sudden, sort of a, it was like a, a shift in the weekend of, of, wow, you know, there's something really important in, in the world going on. And at the same time, I'm trying to get showered and get out of the hotel to go meet Lori. So I'm trying to process what's going on. And um, still, not I was really, I was totally thinking of you because it's, it's, it, it was really hard to process Saturday morning. And I knew you were running around. And for those of us that were able to have access to the media that day and kind of watch things slowly unravel in shock, I knew you weren't going to have that. And there was a part of me that, you know, I didn't want you to know because I wanted you to be able to focus on your race, but I knew you and Lori would be together. And I felt like you would be able to lean on each other. Um, but I just want you to know, I was thinking of you so much. And for those listening that wonder why that would deeply affect us, we're, we're both Jewish women and we both have family and friends in Israel. And um, it, it feels very, very close to home. It was indeed a terrorist attack. And uh, for those familiar, there's something called Jewish geography and uh, we're a small people and everybody kind of knows everybody. And as soon as this happened, everybody was asking each other, do you know anyone? Is everyone safe? And some of us do know people, some of us don't, but we all feel like we know each other and we're family. So this deeply affects everyone, including you and me. And I was thinking of you because you had to do the impossible task of sort of siloing that thought so that you could focus on what you had to come over the weekend. And I'm, I'm sorry that there was both and you handled it like a champ. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Like I said, we were still kind of processing on Saturday morning. We have runners in Israel. So, you know, the first thing I thought was to check in with them and, and make sure that they were okay and their families were okay. And, um, you know, they're, they're deeply affected by it. And uh, yeah. So I, like, like I said, I was trying to shower and get out to the airport and meet Lori and listen to, you know, at, at that point I turned on TV. You're right. When I woke up in the morning, I didn't turn on the TV. I didn't even really look at my phone. I just kind of figured, let me get on some clothes, go take a little run, get some breakfast. I was trying to back to the hotel for some breakfast like you know it's just trying to um uh to do that oh i want to back up really quickly and tell you the story i told you last night from the airport friday night at bwi um i, I left from bwi and i was flying into midway and i got to the airport and i went to um immediately it was dinner time uh so i went uh, uh to chipotle i was gonna get my you know big good rice bowl with some chicken and some uh some some good carbs in it and um so i went to chipotle and when i was at chipotle i noticed a group of um, cadets from the U.S. Naval Academy that were there. It just at, not at my gate, just you know, in the airport at the Chipotle. And I, I mentioned it to Paul, uh, my boyfriend, on you know over text. I said, "Hey, there's a whole group of cadets here." And he said, um, "He said, I wonder if it's the the marathon team going to Chicago." And I said, "I'm not even at my gate. Like, I don't know where these guys are. They could be going anywhere. Like, I, I don't know." But then I got to my gate, and they were at my gate. And sure enough, they were the Naval, um, the Navy Academy's marathon team, and they had about 25 cadets going to Chicago for the marathon. And what surprised me, I asked, I was talking to a few of them at first, and um, it was not the first marathon for any of them, uh, which to, to me was, uh, these are all like college kids, and they've all already run at least a few marathons. 
Um, so it was really, it was really great to talk to them. And what I really enjoyed uh, was that I saw their, their coach guy. I was just observing. I was just sitting there watching and their coach um, came in after a little bit after they were there and to see the rapport they had with their coach. He seemed like a really great guy. And I just thought it's really interesting. You know, so many colleges and schools have cross country, they have track teams, but how many have marathon teams? So I actually started Googling to see while I was there, like how many colleges have marathon teams? There are not many. Some of the military academies do, but there are not many that have marathon teams. So these are teams that are dedicated to training their runners to run um, not only marathons. So this, the, you know, I was looking at the schedule for um, the Navy marathon team. We, and we've seen them at um, Annapolis 10 miler. They come out obviously in, in force at Annapolis 10 miler. They have a whole schedule of races that the team aims to do every year. And sure enough, Chicago marathon was one of them. So they were on my plane. And I thought that was, um, I thought it was really neat just to see them all coming up to Chicago um, to get ready, to get ready for the marathon. And I had asked them when they I said, oh, are you going to go to the expo tomorrow? And they said, oh, yes, we have to be there right when it opens. And I made a comment of like, well, you might want to go a little after it opens, because usually that's going to be where the biggest lines are right when it opens. Everyone's waiting to get in. They said, no, we have orders to go when it opens. So they didn't have like any, so they're like, no, we we have to be there when it, when it, when it. How opens. do we, we put that in our runner's race prep. We have orders. <laughs> yeah, it's orders that they actually, they're like, well, we'll get in trouble if we go in later. I said, okay, you do what you have to do. So anyway, such a lovely group. They were so nice. Um, just such, um, just really nice, nice kids um, that uh, just seem to have really good heads on their shoulders. So that, that was really fun. So um, anyway, back to, um, you know, back to, uh, I just made me think of that because I was talking, thinking, talking about getting breakfast at the hotel. And I was thinking about having dinner the night before, you know, I was starting to pay attention to my, my carbs. I don't count them particularly, but I just start making sure that I'm getting a lot of good carbs in. So I made it back to the hotel. They had uh, Holiday Inn Express, highly recommend. They have free breakfast. So they had oatmeal and cereals and toast and bagels and lots of good carby stuff. So I um, filled up on that and um, got showered quickly. And like I said, trying to process the news and um, went to meet uh, Lori at the, at the airport at Midway. And we met up and grabbed an Uber together um, into the city and um, you know, got checked into our, well, we went to a uh, go go check into the hotel our room was not ready so we dropped our bags and walked over to the expo um so the expo is at mccormick place which is kind of a southern more southern end of, of the city it was about two and a half miles from our hotel but it was a beautiful day we decided let's walk we both wanted to move our legs a little bit we said maybe we'll walk there maybe we'll take a uber back we'll see we'll see how that goes so um it's definitely very walkable so we walked it was a beautiful day it was sunny out um walked down to the expo. Um, expo was crowded. Uh, it is, I would say this is probably, it's the biggest expo I've been to in recent memory. Um, it probably rivals New York City Marathon's expo. Uh, it rivals what Boston used to be like. Boston, Boston's expo is no longer like what it used to be. Um, so it definitely rivals what Boston used to be. Huge, huge um, expo, but very well organized. So they have a system where you get in line to get your, for when you first get there, you go straight to get your bib and you um, get in a line. Well, yeah, you get in like almost like a security line and they take your ID and they check you in. They confirm your ID. Um, you get you show them the QR code for your bib and they check you in and then they tell you to go to a desk like they say, OK, they told Lori and I both go to desk 19. And by the time we got to desk or you know table booth 19, they said, oh, are you Lori? Are you Lisa? Here are your bibs. They like, they like knew we were coming. So it's like they check you in instead of checking in at one place where they're checking your ID and then looking through the things and finding your bib and giving it to you, you check in in advance. And then they tell you like, it's almost like at the DMV where they say, go to window number 19 and you go and they know you're coming. So they 
So it was very efficient. That part was super, super efficient. And um, like I mentioned, both Lori and I were doing the um, age group world age group championships, age group world championships, whatever. Um, so we, you need to get a special uh, bib. Well, our bib had a special, like a blue sticker on it that meant we were part of the age group championships and you need to get a wristband and a back bib, which I've never worn in a race. I usually make fun of people who have bibs on their backs because I say, don't they know they're supposed to go on the front? But for the age group championships, you do get a back bib because then that lets everybody know what age group you're in. So if you're coming up on somebody, you have more motivation to pass them <laughs> or somebody passes you in the race. Like It's just like triathlon. Triathlon, you put your age on your back and your calf in the back of your leg. And the, the reason is that if you're out there on the run or on the bike or wherever, you kind of know who your competition is. So you know who you have to pass and you know who you don't have to worry about passing. So it's the same idea, which was a little bit like, I don't know, a little uncomfortable for me. But um, so after we got our, our bibs, uh, we went to go get our uh, our regular bibs. We went to go get the age group, uh, the, the age group championship. Wait, I just uh, thought of something. When you're passing yeah. someone and you know they're in your age group and it's like a little awkward because, you know, you've got that exchange and it's in person, you can be like, yeah, we'll oh, talk about this. Good oh job. Gosh, you're doing good. Or you can be like, you're, you're 40, 45 to 49. I would have never guessed you look 35 to 39. <laughs> have a great race. Like, yeah. And then they see you pass and they see you and you're in the, you're in the age group and you're like, don't try to catch me. Yeah. It, like I want to feel, you know, like I love going to races and feeling like we're all working together. And this just sort of was like, no, no, you're, you know, you're competing against other people. So yes. Yeah, so, and it was interesting. Like the back bibs had a timing chip too. So I think they used those maybe to time the age group championship. Like I, I, I don't know. Um, so we had a bib on the front with a chip and a bib on the back with a chip. So we, we got that. They give us a little swag. It was a big, um, uh, fanny pack, like a, a Boko gear, you know, the Boko gear hats, it was this huge, but it was like a huge fanny pack. Like if you wanted to like carry lots of things in a fanny pack, it's, it's fine. So Would it work for it. Boston or, you know, how we like, yeah. it probably yeah. worked for um, stuff. Hopkinton. Yeah. yeah. But you yeah, have you to leave to it there. I know, you know, so you'd have to write. But anyway, so you got you got some swag. You got a, a, a wristband. I still have mine on, actually. It's just like the Boston wristbands from when we had COVID testing. It's like that little. Let me see. Wristband. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Thing. I'll cut it off yeah. eventually. Um, but they give you that because that gives you access to the, the tent on race day. And we'll talk about that in a second. So so the age group, uh, just to kind of back up and, and explain the, the world age group championships. Um, to qualify, it's it's the it's Abbott World Marathon Majors does it, and and the the, the question that Lori and I had all weekend, I have not been able to find the answer to. Would like to ask somebody um, to find. It's the I'm going to look up the exact name, but it's the um, Abbott World Marathon Major. The, oh, here it is. Let's see. It is the um, Abbott World Marathon Majors Wanda Age Group World Championships. Who is Wanda? We have not been able to figure out who Wanda is or what Wanda is. So if anyone knows Wanda Isn't is- Isn't it an acronym? I thought I so, but it's not. It's capital W, lowercase A-N-D-A. That's what I said. I'll bet it's some, it's not. It's the Abbott World Marathon Majors Wanda Age Group World Championships. I have Googled, I have looked. Lori and I all weekend were like, who is Wanda? So that's the mystery we're going to try to find out. But that that's the age group uh, championships. But the way to qualify for, um, for that in the past, the, the next year is a little bit different, it sounds like. But in the past- um, what would happen is if you run one of 350 qualifying races, marathons in the country, so that can be oh, many, many marathons are, you know, I think for me, it was Indianapolis and Boston. Um, they give you a score and you're basically ranked in the, in the world. And then they take the top, 
I'm forgetting the numbers, but it's probably like 250 or 300 runners from each of the master's age group categories. So 40 to 44, 45 to 49, 50, 54, so on and so forth, male and female. And they invite you to come to one of the, it has been until now, one of the world marathon majors. As, can I interrupt? I think I know yeah. what Wanda is. Who's Wanda? <laughs> okay. So Wanda is also a sponsor of the world cup. So Wanda is, ba is based in Qatar. It's the world's largest real estate enterprise Thank and the you, biggest, Julie. it's the Wanda group and they are a big okay. sponsor of, um, yeah, the world cup. So probably soccer bus listening to this are like, you guys are idiots, but we're not, we're not soccer people like yeah. we, you know, we're world cup fans because we love watching the world cup, you know, women's world cup, but I'm assuming it's the same thing. Wanda group was founded in 1988 and is engaged in three key yep. business activities, commercial culture, and finance. Long-standing heritage in the sports sector, having played a firsthand role in the transformation of Chinese football in 1993, including the establishment of the Dalian Pro, the group has a long affiliation with football. It has shown a constant support to the development of football in China with special focus on the growth of grassroots football through China's Future Star program. So obviously they're trying to also get into the running space. Hence, they're a partner or a, you know, a smaller partner of this World Age Group Championships with Abbott. So that's, that's Wanda, Wanda group. Okay. Thank you. That's, that solves sure. the Thank you. Um, yeah. So, so for, to qualify last year, I don't, I've got to look, I mean, I'm looking now, it says in a new format for 2023, um, athletes will be ranked according to their single fastest time in a qualifying event. For when I qualified, when I understand they took your two top times uh, in two qualifying marathons and rank you, and then they send an invitation out to whatever it is, 250, 300, top 400, whatever it is, top number of, of people in each age group. And they say you're invited to, last year was London, this year was Chicago, the, you know, the World Marathon Majors Championship. Now, it, it sounds fancy, you're invited to. Well, you're invited to pay the regular Chicago registration fee, plus the age group world championship fee, fee which I want to say was $190 or some, you know, not insignificant amount. So you're actually, you're not getting an entry, you're not getting anything complimentary, you're actually paying extra but what they tell you is you're going to have a separate start area a separate which has massage food um you'll be able to check your bags there uh you'll get escorted to the start like it's a whole kind of special treatment and uh one of our runners susan spencer who was at chicago this year did london last year is in the, the age group championships and said it really was a lovely experience that they had this nice tent they got to meet other age group champions she really had a great experience doing it and highly encouraged me to do it so uh when i got the invitation and lori got the invitation she was like let's do it i thought you know what let's let's see what this is all about so um so that's how you get um invited and again it kind of looks like it changes every year and and they change the location every year. And interestingly, for 2024, it is Sydney, Australia, which is not yet a major. It's expected to become one. So people were asking, I heard questions uh, kind of circulating through people this weekend. Like, if you do Sydney next year before it's officially a, a, another star, will you get your star? And the answer seems to be no. Like, if you're going to, if you want to do it as a, the seventh star of the world marathon majors, like wait until it's officially, but it is the world championship next year. So I guess maybe that's a precursor to becoming an official star. So uh, most people I spoke to were like, I'm not getting to Sydney, Australia next year. That's just not a reality. And that's what, when I first started, I said, well, that's, I'm not going next year. So, um, so we'll get back to the, that experience later. Um, but that's, you know, we had to pick up our bibs at the expo. Uh, we did look at the, um, gear Nike is the sponsor, is the, is the apparel sponsor, but unlike Adidas at Boston, Nike does not prohibit 
other vendors from being at the expo. So there were lots of other, um, you know, Saucony was there and New Balance and you know, all the other that had their gear. So there was lots of gear to be seen. It was a madhouse. And, you know, frankly, Lori found a cute um, quarter zip that she wanted to get, which I, I really liked too. And we went to go stand in line to check out and she was like, forget it. I'm going to order it online. This is ridiculous. It was, it, it the, the expo is, is very yeah, actually very familiar. I remember doing that a couple yeah, of years ago. Same exact thing we did. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exact thing that we did because that's what I said to her I said no get it online and she's like yeah, screw this like let's get out of and as we we're leaving I said to her it is so crowded here I said I wouldn't be surprised if like one some of our runners are here like I wish I knew who was here like but I don't even know how I'd meet up with them and as I'm saying that we passed by Adam Longo who is an RFF alum and a former yes, podcast, past podcast guest <laughs> Yep. And I was like, I looked and he, he always wears a lot of Maryland gear. So I see this guy walk by me with like Maryland geared out and I'm like, Adam. So it was nice to see him and catch up with him really quickly um, of all the people in the expo to, to run into him. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, and I will also say the other thing we had, we picked up our, um, you know, shirts and the shirts are ugly. Like I'm just disappointed with the Chicago shirts. They're short sleeve technical shirts and they're a, I don't have mine here, but it's like a mint blue green color. It's really just not I attractive. I saw them online. Like yeah. I saw people wearing them. They're, they're like yeah. super, like they remind me of like the early 2000s when yeah. technical gear was just coming out for races and they were starting to go away from cotton. That's what they reminded me of. Exactly. So it's I, like this kind of like I, flimsy, like, I don't know. I, I was not, not impressed with, with the shirts, but impressed with the expo. They give away a lot of free stuff at the expo, a lot of samples being given out a lot of, if you have the time and the patience, which I did not, um, like Susan Spencer was telling me, she got like a free rain jacket from the got milk tent. She got a, a sweatshirt from the girls on the run, you know, booth. And, um, and you know what, I'm really upset. I, I, we, I thought we walked through most of the expo, but after, um, I was, and I'll get to this, but we were, um, we met up with some of our runners and some of our Montgomery, uh, Montgomery County Road Runners Club, uh, friends and runners. And somebody was mentioning, they said, oh yeah, we, we, um, we bought a pillow at, at the expo from this, 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 this woman, she was so nice. She, her son started this company and I looked at her and I said, was it Lagoon pillows? And she said, yes. And I was so bummed that they weren't there and that I didn't see them there and didn't get to meet. It sounds like it was Ryan's mom was there oh, <laughs> representing yeah. that. And I said, oh, the whole, like all the things I would have liked to have seen, it would have been, uh, you know, it would have been, uh, it was, I think it was Eric and Catherine, our runners who, who were telling me, and, and Eric actually bought a pillow and he said, I'm, I hope it was a good investment. I said, it, it was. And, you know, I got to tell you on a totally other, you know, just another note, my, my hotel pillow was not comfortable. I think cause I'm used to my lagoon pillow now. I was not comfortable either night with my hotel pillow. So maybe I've been spoiled by a lagoon pillow. And Lagoon Pillow is an official sponsor of the Run Farther and Faster podcast. And this was not intended, but we are no. promoting them right now. Here we are. Yes. yes. And we have a discount code that, you know, folks can use it are there in the show notes, but, but um, they were at the expo. So the expo is very, very large on Saturday. It is very, very crowded. If somebody is listening and going to uh, Chicago in the future and can get to Chicago on the, the expo is open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, I know Susan went on Thursday and said it was not crowded. and It was lovely. She got to go around and, you know, get a lot of stuff and talk to people and experience the expo more, uh, you know, about a half hour and more. And I were like, we need to get out of here. Um, you know, we, we were kind of done uh, for the day. So we, um, you know, we made our way out and uh, then we went, got out and um, uh, 
the uh, um, the the lines or the crowds to get Ubers and rideshare was insane. It was like it was chaos. They had people trying to direct the Ubers in and people grabbing it. And we looked at each other and said, "Let's just walk the two miles." But like, it was a nice day. We're like, "It's not that bad. Let's walk back. Let's go get some lunch." Uh, so we had looked at. We were trying to think of ideas for lunch, and um, uh, you know, we had found a sweet green, which is good because you can get like a quinoa bowl and you know some kind of grains. I always like that. So we walked up to the sweet green, which had a line out the door and had one or two people helping everybody. So we stood there for about 10 minutes and it moved up like one person. And we were like, we're never going to get lunch. And it's already, it was kind of late. So I looked on the map and I found a roti, which is um, sort of like the, uh, uh, it's, it's also a bowl. You can get, you know, bowls designed with, with rice. And, yeah, yeah. It's just like a kava. It's like, you know, I, I guess the Indian food version of kava. So it was that, so that was around the corner. So I said to her, I don't know if it has, you know, a long line too. She said, why don't I stand in this line? You go check out the line at Roti. If it's not bad, text me and I'll come there. So I got there and there was no line at Roti. So I texted her, I said, come here now. We were both really hungry by that point and needing, needing our carbs. So we got, uh, you know, rice bowls and, and lots of pita. They gave us some extra pita. Uh, and, and it was really nice. Lori, um, Lori's parents, her mom and stepdad live in Chicago and her mom was nearby. And, and so we told her, come stop by and see us. So she came and sat with us and I got to meet Lori's mom, which was really nice. And, um, and I also at, at the expo, uh, I should say, I got to meet, um, I think, you know, I may have talked about it on the podcast before, but you know, I'm on a, on a, um, a, a virtual Zwift cycling team and we actually compete and we actually are, have become friendly. I've become friendly with women who are all over the country and mostly all over the world. And, uh, but I've never met any of them. We, we talk on the phone, we race virtually. And one of my teammates was running the, the Chicago Marathon, Sarah. And we got to meet at the expo. We met up at the expo before we went into the expo. So that was really um, awesome. Really cool. I love that. Yeah, it was, and she's lovely and amazing. And we both had an approximately same expected finish time and we were both in the same corral. So we had hoped to meet up in the corral, but the crowd was really big and, and hectic. So we, we didn't, but she also had a, a great race. So it was really nice just to, to meet her in person after, you know, racing with her and talking to her on discord for, for quite some time. And um, she was with a big group of people that she runs with. That so was nice to meet them. So it was just, you know, it's a, it, it reminded me of Boston of that, like feel good time of like, you know, getting to see people in the running community, getting being part of a big marathon weekend. And it is Chicago's, you know, it, it's not exactly like Boston in that, everybody's there for the marathon. It's all concentrated in one area, but you can tell, you know, the, it, the marathon brings a lot of energy into the city. So, um, you know, by the time we had lunch, it was like three o'clock by the time we finished lunch. And so we went back quickly back to the hotel. We still hadn't checked into our room. So I'm back to the hotel, got to check into our room, had a quick break uh, before it was time for me to go back out to meet our runners. We had had a four o'clock meetup and Lori had decided she was just a little bit tired and, you know, had some news to catch up on. And, and Lori is a rabbi of a congregation in Nashville and they were was trying to respond to what was going on in Israel and, you know, get a, get an email out to their congregants. And she had, you know, some work to do. So she stayed back in the hotel. I rallied and got myself back outside. I was a little bit tired, but I was excited to see See our runners and um, uh, also our uh, uh, thanks to one of our runners, Deb Levy, who let the Montgomery County Road Runners Club runners know that she knew who were going to be there, know where we were meeting. We had a nice meetup with our runners, Montgomery County Road Runners Club runners on the steps of uh, the Art Institute and got to catch up with some people and um, get some pictures and just, you know, wish everybody good luck. So that was really, it's, it's always a, you know, just like when we're in Boston and we do a meetup, it's such, we leave on like kind of a high of feeling this good feeling of our, of our running community. So it was nice, nice to, to see everyone and get pictures and just give them one last 
little pep talk and I'll share here. Like I didn't, you know, especially our MCRC friends, like a lot of them are coaches in their programs and they're all experienced runners and nobody needs a, nobody needs a, a coaching talk. But, um, I had had, um, just a, an experience a few days prior that just really stuck with me and resonated with me that I said, I said, you know, I'm just going to share this. Um, I had gone to, um, and I think, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast before, I'd gone to my daughter's soccer game, uh, the week before, um, the week before leaving for Chicago. And, uh, they, they shut out this other team. They were shut We were shutting them out. It was a six zero score The the ball had only been on the opposite, on the opposing sides, side of the field, the entire team, the entire game, they had never gotten the ball on the other side. Our goalie had never even seen a goal get, you know, a ball get close to her. Their goalie in the meantime had probably 25 shots on goal. It, it, the score was six zero. So this goalie had saved probably 20 shots going in goalie was working her butt off. And, um, you know, at that point, the coach of, of our team had kind of told the girls like, hang back, like, you're good. Like you don't need to score any more goals. And, uh, there were two minutes left in the game and it, clearly, you know, we know what the outcome of this game is going to be. And the goalie, their goalie, screams out to the girls with two minutes left, leave it all out on the field. And it just like resonated with me that this, you know, she told them like, don't give up, like keep working, leave it all out on the field, like walk off this field with your head held high. And it, it was just like made me think about us and our runners and us as runners. Like, you know what, you can go out and maybe the day's not going the way you plan maybe your you know, time goal isn't coming into in it's not going to turn out the way you wanted it to you're not going to win whatever that definition of winning is but leave it out on the field like walk off that field feeling like you did everything you could that day and you gave it your all and it just stuck with me so I, I mentioned that to everyone and that's kind of what I was thinking in the last miles of my race was leave it all out on the field don't like don't walk off here saying like I could have tried harder um, you know, whatever it is that you have on that day, if you give it all, then that's what you can be proud of is that effort. So, um, so I, uh, that. I really, I really like that, Lisa. I think that's a great pep talk and a great message. And I love that at the Quince Orchard JV soccer team, shout out to QO gave you that inspiration. And, um, well, it wasn't them. It was Northwest. It was their opponent. No, I mean, the, 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 oh, the opposing team, but I'm saying that the game that you were supporting was the Quince Orchard JV soccer team, your daughter's on, yes. but I think also what you're saying resonates because we spoke a couple of weeks ago, of course, with Brad Stelberg. And one of the things that he mentioned was, you know, lean into your goals. And sometimes people tend to kind of, when things aren't going well, or let's say you're studying for a test is an example, and you can say, well, I didn't do that well because I didn't study that hard. There's no right. shame in, in shouting out your goal and leaning into it. So leaving it out on the field to me resonates in that respect too. There's, there's absolutely, even if the goal or the outcome isn't what you expect, lean into it, leave it out on the field and do everything you can and hold your head high. So great have message. The day, have the best day you can. So that's what I told everyone. I said, you know what, whatever happens tomorrow, leave it, leave it all out on, on the field. And um, so it was just really nice to see everyone got to hang out there for quite some time. I was there till about for about an hour, um, you know, just getting to getting to chat with folks. And uh, it was just really nice to, to connect with everyone and get to see everyone um, headed back to the hotel. Uh, Lori and I decided to pull what you and I do in Boston every year because we just did not want to go out and try to find a restaurant. So we said, we're going to Uber Eats sushi into the hotel. So that's what we did. We Uber Eats sushi. We sat in our room and ate sushi. Um, I had my candy. Thanks to you. I had, which you were so sweet. You, Julie, left me uh, in my mailbox right before I left a big bag of gummies candy that I could bring with me to, and that was like, it was great. So, um, uh, so, so yep, had my candy, um, uh, and, you know, just hung out, hung out in the hotel. We, we, 
I knew it was going to be a very early wake up. So uh, the uh, gates, the Grant Park opens at 530 a.m. And how'd you sleep the night before the race, by the way? Um, you know, to be honest with you, I slept just okay. A lot of stuff that had been going on, you know, that we had yeah. seen in the news yeah. was in my head. And I think for Lori too, and there were images I couldn't get out of my head. And I was thinking mm -hmm. of my mind was sort of racing with that. So I had trouble falling asleep at first. And then once I did, I was a little bit restless. So mm -hmm. I had gotten decent sleep the week before. I had a very, you know, both of us have had like a very busy week the week before. We have a lot of runners that were starting to train in October, we had a lot of runners. We were prepping for races. I had other work stuff. You had other work stuff. Like it was a very hectic week the week before, but I really made a point of trying to get in bed by 11 PM and wake up at six. So I got about seven hours of sleep a night the week before the race. I try to usually get eight, but I couldn't really do much better than that. So, but I had pretty consistent sleep leading into race day. So I, I felt good about that. And so I always know the night before probably isn't, isn't going to be great. Um, so yeah, so a lot of things going through my mind and I was a little bit restless, but I did get some sleep. Um, uh, but we had kind of worked out the timeline, uh, 5 30 AM Grant Park opens the world marathon majors, um, runners were supposed to enter only through one gate, uh, was gate nine, which was the southernmost gate in Grant Park. They had to go farthest South from, from the kind of where you the setup. And they said, enter that way so that you can get to the world marathon majors tent and check your bags and get escorted to the start. So I said to, to Lori, I said, you know, I think we should give ourselves more time than we think because it's going to take us time to walk there. We have to get through security. Like, let's give ourselves a little more time. So I said, um, you know, it'll probably take us 15, 20 minutes to walk there. I had said, let's leave by 530. Um, you know, even though the park opened at 530. In retrospect, we should have left at five. Um, so we left at 530. It took, we were um, at LaSalle, um, kind of farther uh, on LaSalle Street, farther north. And it took us about 25 minutes to walk, 20, 20, 20, 25 minutes to walk to our gate, which again was the farthest south. So we had to go a little bit farther than most people. Um, and so how far, how far do you think that walk was? Like, like probably about a mile and a half, two miles yeah, it didn't feel that long, but it probably, it must've been about a mile. And it, 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 I would say at least a mile and a half it was maybe, okay. maybe, a, maybe a so mile. That's, mile. that's something to think about when, you know, we talk about this a lot when people prepare for Boston, that there's a long walk to the. Yeah. You know, although I was going to say, you know, I think we looked it up the night before, I think it said 0.9 miles. Um, but okay. it just, it just took a little while to get there. Okay. You know, it's dark in the morning. So you got to navigate. Yeah. yeah. Chicago Marathon is amazingly good about, they have probably hundreds of volunteers that have an orange vest that say, ask me. And you can ask them and you can say like, where, what, what gate am I supposed to go and where should I go? And they're very good. They're all informed. They will direct you right to your gate. So we get to our gate at, uh, I was checking, was watching my watch. I told Lori, I'm like, I want to keep an eye on this so that we know for future purposes, like how long stuff takes. So 5.53, I think we got into line. Um, so it took us 23, about 20, 20, 23 minutes to walk there. 5.53, we got into the line and it was just a mass. It was a mass of people. You couldn't even see like, where do we get in? Like, we're just all standing in this big mass of people. And uh, the the help me people or, or ask me people are telling us like, you have if you're in here, you have you have to have the blue wristband to be here. Like if you're, if you don't have a blue wristband, you're not a age group championship runner. Don't be in here. You're not going to be let in through this gate. So Everybody makes sure, except you see a few people walking back, trying to make their way back out through the crowd that clearly didn't have it. Um, we stood in that line for a half hour, Julie. Or in that, not even a line. It wasn't a line. It was a mob. <laughs> we stood, everyone was very orderly. Everyone was very calm. And, you know, nobody was pushing. But we stood in that for 30 minutes, 623. 
we made our way that's through. Ridiculous. That's yep. still ridiculous. And and P.S. They told us that they are going to walk everybody to the start. You need an escort to the start, and they're going to walk everyone to start at six thirty. So six twenty three, we get through the line. And and part of what they promoted about the age group world championship is you'll have your own tent, your own porta potties, uh, food, your own bag check. So we get there, and the porta potty there there were uh, enough porta potties, but the lines for the porta potties. I mean, they were through the tent and on the other side of the tent. And um, I'm about to admit something on the podcast. I probably shouldn't be admitted, but um, the lines were super, super long. And I still had to get like my gels and my shorts. And so Lori said, take what you need from your bag. I'll grab your bag. I'll take your bag and my bag. I'll go to bag check. I'll check the bags. I'll come back and get you. We'll go see about the porta potty. So I was kind of like taking my sweatpants off, putting on my shoes, putting my gels in my pockets. She went and checked the bag. She came back and got me. It's now like <clears throat> 626. And they're starting to make announcements that they're going to be walking people to the start, which I don't know who was there to walk to the start because people were either standing in a porta potty line or still standing in the, the mob that we were in to get in. I mean, we had there were so many people behind us to get in. I know not everybody was there's no way everybody was in or people are trying to check their bags. I'm like, who's even ready to walk to the start? Nobody's ready to walk to the start. So we go to the porta potty lines and we see right away the porta potty lines were probably an hour at least long. There is no way. So we found some bushes and we tucked in between the bushes and we beat really quickly. And, you know, that's it. It's, you know, you do what you got to do. But uh, uh, and we then as we were finishing being the uh, uh, the volunteers with the signs, they have these big um, blue signs that are like kind of to lead people with, like, you know, to be visible. They come through going, we're leaving for the start. We're leaving for the start. So we jumped in with them. There were maybe 10 of us <laughs> that they're leading to the start because everyone else, nobody knew what was going on. And they're. Most people aren't even in yet because they're still. So let, me, to get. let me just ask you one question. Do you believe like, as we're talking about this, do you believe that this was a function of the world marathon majors, or do you think this was a function of the Chicago marathon? This, this, I, wait. I think it is probably not knowing anything about the organization and how it worked with Chicago. I am guessing, you know, Abbott comes in and says, we're doing, you know, we're choosing you this year to be, the world marathon majors and they accept it and we'll, you know, we're going to have this separate entry and they probably coordinate with Chicago to say, we need a separate area. We're going to do this. We're going to, you know, we need these volunteers. Um, I don't think it's like part of the Chicago marathon. It's definitely not a part of their normal every year operation. This was an addition, right? This is a totally different year, an off, you know, one off type of thing. So I think I think it's probably a combination of like a communication thing or a coordination thing of the two organizations, but they just didn't plan. The, the reason the line was so long to get in was security. They were checking, but they were literally saying, open your bag and unshow us your bib and your wristband. That's it. So it, it was moving, but again, it had like maybe three or four security guards who were saying, open your bag, let me see your wristband, go open. And you had to funnel through them. So that's what was taking so long. And then, um, like I said, we didn't even get to, you know, none of the amenities that they had there were, you know, were, were taken advantage of. Certainly we didn't even use the porta potties there. So um, I will say, so they, they then, so we started following this, these nice volunteers with a sign. It was like a mile walk to get to the start, but they, that's why they needed to escort us. And they had to escort us through some like kind of gated off area to get to the front corrals, which are, so they put all of the age group championship runners in A through E, which is the first wave. So even if, um, and, and typically 
and, and it still worked for most of us. Like my corral was anyone with an expected finish time of 310 to 320. That was corral C. Corral D was 320 to 330. Corral E was 330 to 340. Now, we have some runners who are in the age group championship who are in their 60s who were expecting to finish very strong in 350, but they still put them in E. So any age group champion was in A through E somewhere. So I was we were I was in an appropriate corral for my my for my pace. But some of I think some of the runners, I would say mostly older runners who were age group championship participants who maybe expected to finish in 350 or four hours were not in the corral that corresponded to those times because that would have been like. FGH, you know, later on in the second wave. So they escorted us to the corrals. I will say for anybody who's doing it in the future, even not the age group championship, they do have lots of porta potties by the by the corrals. Um, so there are plenty there. Uh, and you kind of just wait in that area and you can get into your corral. Uh, corrals do close early. They closed at 720 for a 730 start. I mean, my corral, I was looking at my watch. I was in my corral at about 6.50 and um, by 7.10, it was packed. The corral was pretty packed. Um, well, how much time do you think that you wasted by being a part of the world marathon majors? <laughs> I can so. tell you. And, and the other the other thing I had forgotten until we were already in that line was that I had read or heard on a podcast somewhere, you can go into any gate. You don't have to go into the one they tell you on your bit. You, they're not gonna say you can't, unless you're you know trying to get into the age group world championship uh, gate and then you would not be allowed in but we could have gone to a different gate and then with our bib for the world champion and our wristband made our way back if we had known where we were back to the world championship tent so in retrospect and again this isn't going to be an issue in the future because they don't have the world championship age the age group world championship next year what i would say for people in the future is you can go into any gate i'd find a gate with just i just go into a gate that doesn't have a line, uh, you know, if, if you can find it. it, it's massive. It's really hard to navigate. Like, and in, in the dark, especially like you can't tell like where, where am I going? So um, yeah. So I think we probably, I know we wasted a half hour waiting to get in. And, um, and we, once we got to the tent, we didn't waste any time because then we literally dropped our bags, peed and left with the escort at, at six 30. Um, so that, you know, I, like I said, I think it just, well, we'll get, I'll tell you where the time was wasted. That was after. So, um, so anyway, so that was a little bit of a like hectic, like I kind of kept checking myself. Do I have my gels? Did I, did I leave anything back there? I actually ended up leaving my drink when I, at some point I put my drink down on the ground, I think to take my shoes off and take my sweatpants off or something. And I left it there. So I had no water or drink in the corral. Oh my a, gosh, a rookie mistake. <laughs> I know. I left it. We walked away, but we were with the escorts already. And I'm like, oh crap, I left my drink on the ground. And I was like, but I'm not going back to get it because then I lose the escorts. And like, I don't right. want to, I was like, ah, so I was hoping they would have, and Lori too didn't have anything. And she, um, you know, wanted something. And we were hoping that they would have a, uh, you know, like water at the corrals. So they did not have, we did, they said they had, they do have waters in the start area. It just wasn't right at the, like, it's so massive, Julie, like it, even seeing a map of it. I couldn't figure out where I was or where I was going or how to get back to anywhere or where anything was. And they have very good signage. And again, they have these ask me volunteers who would absolutely help, but it was, it was a little, it's huge. It's huge. And it's overwhelming. So my underlying, my, my overarching message to anybody going to Chicago, give yourself much, much more time than you think you need, because just navigating, um, the getting into the, to the finish and uh, the start area and navigating where is bag check and where do I then go for my corrals? It's big. And and the, the length of the entire, I, I don't exactly, but I know pretty closely the length of the entire start finish area is more than a mile. So, so if you, you weren't 
sorry, if you weren't doing the Abbott age group championships, yeah, whatever. Yeah. how much time would you have really needed? I didn't see the lines in the other gates, the other entrances. I have heard they were not bad from our other runners. Okay. They did not have to wait that long. I would still, you can, if the, if it's not a cold or rainy day out, there's plenty of places to sit and hang out. I would rather get in, get your bearings, find a little place to sit down and hang out than be panicked like we were. So I would say I would get to Grant Park when it opens at 530. Um, okay. Now later starts. So there are later waves. You have a little more leeway. But mm -hmm. I think the later it gets, the more people are in line, the more people are checking bags and more, you know, crowded. If you can get there at 530, get there at 530. Just like give yourself extra time. It it was it, it was a little panicky. So again, so then I was in the corral at and they are very strict about corrals. They wouldn't even let Lori like come to my it wasn't even in the corral. It was just the like grass area on the side of my corral. They wouldn't let her pass the gate because she had a D bib and I had a C bib. So we had to kind of part ways when we got to where near our corrals were. So they are strict. They do enforce that. Um, there are pacers in each corral, de again, depending on, um, you know, what, what you said is your estimated finish time. So like my corral was 310 to 320. They had pacers for 310, 315 and 320 in my corral. Um, the corrals are pretty big, um, but it's very otherwise, other than this age group championship, it seems very well organized and very um, it, it, well oiled machine. So I no no shade on Chicago Marathon. I think it's really, really well won. Everything was perfectly on time. Uh, you know, everything was very well marked and very well signed. The signage is great. So that that I think, like I said, once we got out of that age group championship mess, like then it was like, OK, um, so, yeah, so I would be in 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 the corral, in your corral. Um, at least, um, if it closes, you know, ours closes seven twenty. I would have been in by seven o'clock. Um, so I'd say twenty minutes, at least twenty minutes before the corral closes. Get into the corral and just again bring a blanket. I was so ha I brought a blanket. I was so happy. I didn't use end end up sitting on it. Um, the corrals are big enough to run, and it was so funny to see. It tells you like a warm up. Every corral that I could see, the one in front of me, the one behind me, and mine had people running in a circle. Like people kind of made their own makeshift track. So everyone kind of ran the same direction and they were just running. Like if you were standing in the middle, you could just watch it. People are just running. They're doing their warm-ups or strides, whatever. It's big enough that you can do that. But everyone was kind of just self-organized, but it happened in every corral. I was looking at the corral in front of me. I'm like, oh, look, they're doing a little track thing too. They're all kind of running around in a, you know, I guess it was a, a counterclockwise direction. Um, uh, you know, it was really neat in the corral. It's really neat to uh, hear so many different languages spoken. I met somebody from Germany. I met, um, uh, uh, at the end, I'll, I'll tell the story, but I met somebody from Chile at the end. Like it was it, 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 all different languages being spoken. Um, it, it is truly an international, an international marathon. So it, that was, that was great. And, and they start right on time. And um, so apparently what they started doing a, a few years ago, which had not been done before, um, was they, they start the corrals five minutes apart from each other. So it's not just, you know, Boston, it's a wave. And in New York, it's a wave and you get in your corral. And then once the gun goes off, they take away the corral barriers and everyone just goes, right? And it may take you a little while to get over the start line, but everyone goes. Here, they would let a corral go and then move the next corral up to the start line, wait five minutes, and you'd get another start gun. Next corral would move up. So we actually started, I think it was five minutes. It, it seemed to be five minutes to me because I remember looking at the clock. So I think I started, I'm trying to think if A started at eight, B started at 8.05. We think we started at eight. Was it not sorry, eight? What time where did we start? Whatever time we started, 10 minutes after. Um, yeah, where we 
what time did we start? Did we start at seven or eight? I can't even remember anymore. We, I started 10 minutes after the. I think you started at eight. Yes, eight o'clock. It absolutely was eight o'clock. Yeah. So we started at eight o'clock and um, our corral started at eight ten. Now there were um, three sets of pacers in my corral. There were the three tens, the three fifteens and the three twenties. And my goal going into this, my A plus goal, Julie, going into this was I would love to hit 315 again. I've hit, I hit last year at Indy. That was kind of my goal. And I hit 318, which was close. But if you remember the weather was tough, but it's still, I was really proud of that finish. That was close to my 315 goal. And, um, you know, then Boston was just tough weather and it was 320. Again, I was hoping to be in the 315 to 320 and it was 324, which is again, the weather was just, you know, not my, not my weather. So it was tough for me. So I went into this thinking like, I'm feeling good. The weather is working out well. So the weather, I should say, the weather uh, woke up very similar to the day before. It was 45 degrees. And they had been, uh, we watched the news in the morning. They said there might be some showers. There's some rain of over, like up way up above in the atmosphere. But they said, we're not sure it's going to actually hit the ground. It may evaporate before it hits the ground. So I was like, no, I cannot take rain. I cannot take cold rain. I cannot take cold rain. But we had a beautiful morning. It was even a little bit sunny. It was kind of overcast, but the sun was popping through. And I will say, I was glad I had... Um, a throwaway sweatshirt, throwaway sweatpants that I actually took off and put in my bag before I checked the bag. So I didn't wear those, but I brought a blanket. So I wrapped the blanket around my legs to instead of the sweatpants. And I was really glad to have the blanket. Um, and I kept that stuff on until about 10 minutes before the start. So the, the it, it was cold. We were all kind of shivering. You could see, you look around, you see everybody and you're like, I don't want to see everyone shivering because that's making me more cold. So it was, it was a chilly start, felt like 44, 45 degrees. And it, it was cold, but I knew once we started moving, it, it was wouldn't be too bad. So, um, so yeah, so we, uh, you know, uh, eight, 10, oh, I'm sorry. I was talking about pacers. Um, you know, they just, you know, the whole corral kind of, as you go up to the start line kind of mushes up and I, um, you know, I was kind of looking for the 315 pacer and trying to figure out where they were and I was keeping my eye on them. And then, you know, we started and as I went out, um, I just kind of lost track of all the pacers. Like I was just, it was, it's, it's, it's not bad. Um, the, you know, you start on a very, very wide roads and it actually does not feel crowded. It does not feel like Boston. It to me doesn't even feel like New York, which also has wide roads. You pretty, you, you don't, you're not tripping over people. Um, but I was still was paying close attention to like where I was going and making sure I wasn't. So I lost track of the pace groups and didn't even know where they were. And and um, Garmin does not work as we've told our runners. GPS does not work the first few miles of, of and I, so I would look down at my watch and I'd see just weird numbers and like I'd see like eight ten and I'm like I don't think I'm doing eight ten and I'd see like six thirty three and then I'd see you know nine ten and I was like I, I know these this isn't right. So I'm like, let me just get into the first couple of miles. Let me just like run and not even worry about pace. I'm just going to run. Like, I can't worry about this right now. I need to make sure I don't trip on something. And um, so I kind of just ran and at I probably mile one or two, I noticed next to me was the 310 pacer. And I thought, oh, I might've gone out a little too fast. I don't know. And this was right around mile two, because I hear him say, we went out too slow. Those were 730s. And I think, okay, well, that's probably good that they went out too slow. And um, also I'm thinking like, but Garmin's not working and maybe he doesn't realize that, which he didn't. Um, so he said, we went out too slow. We should pick it up. And I'm thinking kind of like, okay, they're going to pick it up. I'm going to like, you know, just keep doing my thing and wait till the 315 group kind of gets up to me and then then engage where I'm going to go. And um, I just ended up getting stuck in the 310 pace group. I was just running right next to them and I felt very comfortable. And again, I wasn't even looking, I don't know what pace I was running. Um, but eventually I think by mile three or four, he said, oh no, it was on Garmin's off. GPS is off. We're right by elapsed time. We're good. So I was running with them and, and Julie, I felt like I was running easy. And I know, like I kept saying to myself, 
it can feel easy in the first few miles. Of course, it's going to feel easy. It's the adrenaline. Like, you, you know, don't, don't go out too fast. But every mile that went by, I just kept thinking like, and actually by mile about five, I think four or five, I was a little bit ahead of them, like maybe 10 feet ahead of them. Um, but it cleared up, it gave me some clear space to run because running with the peace group can be, you know, you've got a lot of people around them. And I felt like I was getting kind of boxed. And in. I just want to interrupt. You weren't running with the pace group. You were using the pacer as a benchmark. And I think exactly. that's important to know you were running your race, doing your thing. Um, because we've said this a lot, love pacers, appreciate their work. We just don't. Yeah. They're, they're human. Well, they're human. They're and human. right. Yeah. They, they're, they don't, there's no guarantee that comes with a pace group and you've got to run your own race and, you know, maybe. Yes. People have different strategies. So yeah, so I wasn't running with them, but I was using them as my gauge of like, so I could hear them right behind me. And every time I'd go, you know, and, and there are tons of crowds everywhere and you hear, yay, 310 pace group, yay, 310 pace groups. So I'm like, okay, they're still right behind me. And I, I, I feel good. And so like mile five, mile six, mile seven. And I just kept looking down at my watch and it was very consistently hitting about a 710 to 715 mile, very consistently, very consistently. And it felt easy. And I thought, well, if I can hang on one more mile with them, what if I can hang on one more mile, then by the time I have to drop back and like, you know, I'll still have some, we got to the half and I was still 10 feet ahead of them and I was still feeling good. And I was like, well, um, I went through the half at like one thirty four fifty or something like it was right, you know, at that. So it was right on that three ten time. And then I just kept thinking like, when am I going to fall off? Like, I'm, I'm like, I kept doing the Which, math in my head. Because by the way, like that's incredible because I don't, I don't remember your most recent half race results, but that's pretty darn close to your close, most right. recent half marathon race results. Now well, you, you do run half marathons, generally not on the flattest of courses and Chicago is perfect a flat weather, course, right. perfect yeah. weather, but I think that's phenomenal. And I also understand why you would say to yourself, okay, when's the other shoe going to drop? Because this is close to my best half time, and I'm running a full, so I can understand, but you did the right thing. You regularly checked in with yourself. You weren't holding yourself to a pace. You were checking in and saying, nope. how do I feel? How do I feel? So before you continue past the half, talk about what you did for your nutrition, your hydration and yeah. your salt. Yeah. Great, great question. Um, uh, and I will say too, backing up a little, when I went through mile 10, the mile 10 marker, because again, my watch was already off. It was my first time my watch was behind. Like I got through the 10 mile marker and it says I'm at like 9.8 on my watch because of the GPS, you know, getting messed up. So that's usually the other way around. So it was like kind of nice that my watch would say 9.8 and I'm like, oh, but I'm at the 10 mile marker. And I looked down at my watch and it was 111. And I just ran, you know, Annapolis 10 miler and like one lap, not much slower. So I was like, Ooh, like this is kind of my like 10 miler pace, but you're right. Like, you know, Annapolis is hilly and hot. And um, so, yeah, so I was being, I was really diligent because I've been doing this the last few races and I found it made a big difference about staying on top of my nutrition and my hydration. I will say because it was a cold day, it didn't even occur to me to take salt tabs with me. I took them in the morning. I took them the day before I took them in the morning, but I didn't even bring them with me. And as I started, I'm like, Oh shoot, I didn't bring salt tabs. I hope I don't need them. So I did not take, like I said, I took them the day before I took them the morning of, I did not take any during the race. Wait, I feel like we should interrupt to say coaches. They're just like you. They forget their yeah. salt tabs. <laughs> I just, you know, I guess because it was cold, I just didn't think like, I didn't think that through in my nutrition plan. And I was like, okay, well, I just hope I don't need them. Um, so, and that way I thought, you know, if I have to take Gatorade on the course, maybe I'll take some Gatorade. So, um, I did take from just about every water station. I will say the water stations at Chicago are phenomenal. First they have Gatorade and it's like an entire city block. So if you don't, you don't have to get the first table or two tables or three tables or four tables. you can go, you can get a one and go get another one later. 
So you didn't have to panic about getting over. And then after the Gatorade, then there would be a whole block of, um, of water. So I would get over, grab a water, drink it. I could sometimes grab a second one if I needed to drink it. I took from just about every, I think there was one I kind of missed getting over and that I just didn't feel like I needed it that badly and I was okay. So I didn't, I didn't get it there, but um, they are plentiful. There are 20 stations on the course and they are long and they are easy to get from and the volunteers are great. So no problem there. Um, I stuck to my every 30 minutes, um, Morton. I took one at the start, 20 minutes before it's 710. I'm sorry, seven, whatever. I guess it was, must, yeah, it must've been. Oh, we started at 730. That's when we started. We started at 7.30. It wasn't 8 o'clock. We started at 7.30. Yeah, because I was like, I remember at 7.10, I took my Morton. Um, so 7.10, I took a Morton. And then um, I just started every half hour on my watch, uh, on my elapsed time, taking taking a Morton. And I just was really good about it. And I took it out, took it. It was usually right you know, before we got to a water station. So I'd take it, I'd get some water. Um, and I just stayed on top of that very, very diligently. And so at 30 minutes, at one hour, at 1.30, at 2, at 2.30, um, and at three, I took it at three hours. Cause I've learned from a couple of bosses ago that when I didn't take it at three, even if I knew I was going to be done in 10 minutes, I'm like, I don't care. What is it? I'll just take another Morton. Like, it's not going to hurt me. So I did take all of those gels, a lot of gels. When, I think about when, when did you take your caffeinated versus uncaffeinated? I took no caffeinated. I don't use caffeinated. I hate the taste of them. And I, I've never used caffeinated. So I did not take any caffeinated. So did you do your traditional Mountain Dew before the race though? I did. That's funny you asked that because the day before Lori and I were kind of trying to figure out like what we needed in, in our room and she ended up Instacarting stuff to our room because we just didn't feel like going out and finding stuff. And I said to her, I'm embarrassed to even ask you this, but do they have to die on Mountain Dew? She's like, don't be embarrassed. But they only had like two liter bottles of it. And I'm like, but I can't carry that to the start line. So I ended up getting a Coke Zero. Uh, just a small, you know, Coke Zero, we ordered. And that's my drink I left at the, you know, so I had left it at the, so I drank a little bit of it. I did not drink all of it. So I was a little bit like, okay, I don't have my caffeine, but I'm not somebody who needs caffeine. I'm not somebody who's ever relied on it. So I didn't, didn't let, let it psych me out. Like a few, like just in the chaos of the morning, like, you know, a few things got a little bit, you know, not taken care of, but if that was the worst of it, that's, that's fine. So, I right, mean, so I did no salt, you, so you had salt tabs early, like before you started. So you had so basically you missed the opportunity to have one more Three. set because you finished well, just, yeah. I would have, I would have taken them every hour on the course if I had them. So yeah, but I, yeah. I really don't think I needed them that badly this time. Yeah. I, as we started, I'm like, oh, salt tabs, turn it. Like that was not smart, but I'm like, okay, if I have to get Gatorade, I'll get Gatorade. I knew they also have bananas on the course starting at mile 20. I'm like if I need some potassium, if I need something like that, like I can get it later. Luckily, it did not become an issue. So, um, yeah, so the, you know, just, you know, the miles kept ticking off and every mile that I was hitting the 710 to 715, I was like, let's see if I can do another one. I feel good. Like, I felt like I could pick it up. Like I could probably, you know, I said, yeah, I feel like I could go faster if I wanted to. I'm, like, I'm just going to stick with this. And that's that, that 310 group was behind everywhere we go. I hear, yay, 310, yay, 310. I'm like, okay, they're still right behind me. Um, and it was, I think, mile... 15 or 16 where they caught up to me and I kind of tucked into them and I still felt good. So I thought like, let me, let me tuck into them. And so, um, there was not a lot of wind on course speaking of tucking into, of, of, um, tucking into pace groups or, you know, larger drafting. Um, so there wasn't a ton of wind. There were some windier, like breezier spots that you could feel it was a little more of a headwind. So in those, I'd try to just tuck in, um, somewhere. And even if I wasn't near the pace group, there were always people that, you know, it's a, it's a crowded course. So always people to tuck in with. Um, so I did tuck in about 15 or 16. And I just stuck with them 15, 16, 17, 18. Um, 
And then at 18, I think, I can't remember, it was at a water stop. They started to pull away a little bit because I had slowed down to grab some water. And then there were a few, a few, and, you know, I, I really, I was trying to pay attention to the course, but I was so focused on like where I was going and, oh, just mentioning where you're going, the blue line extends the entire course of the Chicago marathon. And it is possible to run it the entire time because it is not so crowded that you can't see it. I ran the blue line almost in, other than like going to get a drink, you know, water or coming. I ran the blue line almost the entire way. So, um, so, uh, yeah, so I think, I think it was about mile 18. I noticed they were getting a little ahead of me and I would surge to try to catch up and I would get close, but then I would kind of fall off again. And I could see my pace was starting to drop just a little. Like I was looking at my watch and it was 720 to 730 versus the 710 to 715 I was seeing. Um, but I was calculating in my head, like, if I just keep this up, I'm definitely going to be under 315. <laughs> it's like, I have to set higher goals for myself. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'll be under 315. Yeah, I'll be under 315. Um, but like, why didn't I say like, if I run a little harder, I could get under 310. But yeah, I was, this is what happened with my PR in New York when I was trying to go for a 305. And I was so excited that I was like ahead of a 305 and I finished in 301. And I'm like, oh, wait, if I had pushed a little more, if I had higher expectations of myself, maybe. So this is where I was sort of falling here. I was like, wow, I'm definitely going to finish under 315. This is awesome. This is great. So I was kind of trying to take in the course and um, you know, I, I just, uh, I felt good. I, you know, just, my pace was dropping just a little bit. I stayed on top of my nutrition. Um, you know, they talk about, and I've got to go back and see where it is, Julie. I know we've talked about it before. There's supposed to be like a hill at like, I think mile 23, like it's an overpass of some kind. I don't remember it. The only, um, you know, there were a few small ones that were like nothing. They like didn't even really register. Um, but so the last, mile, they have a mile to go sign. They have 800 meters to go sign. They have a 400 meter to go sign at the 400 meter to go sign. The finish is there's a slight uphill to the finish. And so I definitely um, felt that, but my last mile, I picked it up. Like I had enough to kick it in. Okay. I, I felt good. I said, we're going to leave it all out on the field. And I, and I was able to pick up basic and back to that 710 to 715 range and, and, and kick it in. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and get to the finish. And I, I was a little like, you know, you always look back. I finished and 311 exactly 31100 like could i have not found one second to get to 310 oh my gosh. i don't think i realized you finished that's amazing. i mean first of all huge congratulations so Thank in you. awe but oh, one second Julie. i could have one second girl, i don't care that you finished in 31100 but i would care if i were you i feel like 31100 is is 310 so that's what we'll call I it know, but that's but hilarious it's funny like, like i could have had a 310 if i was like one second mile faster. Like I, I, I got to stop falling into this trap of being like, oh, wow, I'm beating my goal. Well, let, let's find a new goal. Let's like, go, let's drive a little higher. Like maybe I could have done that, but it was fine. It was great. So but you know what, maybe, maybe like just putting it out there, maybe at my, at mile 15, you said, you know what? I'm feeling really good. I think I'm going to change my goal a little bit and go a little faster. Maybe you wouldn't have felt as good as you did at mile 23 to be able to sustain the pace. You only slowed a teeny tiny bit. And then you yeah. were able to push it in the finish. So your race, the way you executed it actually was really smart. So I'm going to defend you to you and say <laughs> that um, you did a really good job of tuning into your body. And I very much believe that your, your mind knew what would work for you that day because you did not have a big goal in mind when you were, I mean, you had your A plus goal, but you weren't training for that. And you just kind of train and you mentioned this before to me, you weren't even planning on doing this race until you were invited to do it. So the fact that you got a, 
a PR in my mind, and I, it's not your overall PR, of course, New York was your PR and that was many, many years ago, but you are 49 years old and you achieved a time that is much faster than your recent marathon times. It's it's really impressive. So in my mind, it's like a, a, it's a nice round number, at least. It's a very nice round. Nice round, round number. <laughs> and a really great that. way to close out year 49 because you're about to hit a different age group I in know. April when you turn 50. And that's amazing. And I so I want to ask you, you know, you crossed the finish line in three hours and 11 minutes exactly. Um, talk a little bit about your training for this race. And mostly what I want you to talk about is your paces and your long runs. Okay. Well, first I want to back up real quickly. And just when we talked about age groups, um, because we had these back bids on, you could see everybody around you who they were. I was so impressed with the number of women who were 54, 55 to 59 and 60 to 64 who were passing me at the end or who finished around me. I was like, oh, here comes another woman. Oh, she's probably 40 to 44 age group, right? Nope. Try 55 to 59 or 60 to 64. I'm like, where did you come from? Did you really run? The, like, did you just come off? the? I was so impressed at these. Like, it was really amazing to see these strong women. Men too were there too. There were men. But just to see these women coming up running and I'm like, where did you come from? And what, you're 60 or 64? How is that possible? So super impressed with that. And that was kind of a fun, but like you had mentioned before, like it was this kind of funny, like I was running right next to a woman who's 45 to 49. And I'm like, good job, keep it up. And like, as I moved a little bit ahead of her, I'm like, well, now she sees I'm in her age group. Is she going to now try to like, come like, you know, get back up? Like, is she now upset that I passed her? Like, I don't want to upset her. Like, so it was a little, it was a little, you know. Oh my God, this is so classic. I don't want to upset her. I don't want to hurt her feelings when I pass her. Like maybe, maybe, maybe she shouldn't look at, don't look at my back. Like I'm hi, how are you? Good, good job. Keep it up. Um, so anyway, uh, so that was, that was kind of fun. So, um, training, um, you know, I, as coaches, it's like not do as I say, not as I do, but I, I don't, you know, coach myself. I don't follow a really, I don't have a training plan. I don't set things out ahead of time. I have an idea of like when I need to get my long runs in and, um, I go for consistency and, and mileage to be honest over, um, any speed work the, the few things I think this year, this cycle that were notable. One is that I did not do as many 20 mile or long, like three hour long runs as I normally do. I normally do quite a few. It's probably more than most people do. I normally do four to six, maybe, um, in a training cycle. And they're usually every week, like for, you know, I just do them every week and some weeks I'll cut back a little bit, but I kind of just do them every just, week. Just to clarify, you mean four to six long runs, not four to six, 20 mile long runs. No, I do four to six twenty in the past. I was not, I did not week to week. You take you don't do consecutive long runs twenty miles. No, not really. No, I would spread them out, but I would have a long enough training cycle that I would have them like that. I would have them spread out, but I I wouldn't say six. I don't think I've ever gotten to six, but I do four or five. Like I, I usually can get in four or five. This year I got in three. And I don't even know if they're all 20. I'm trying to think. I think one of them was a little less than 20 because I didn't have a lot of time. And it was just circumstance. You know, I'd have um a commitment, uh, you know, to, for something on the weekend that I wasn't able to get in a long run. So I'd get in it on Monday and then it would be like two weeks. I remember one time I was, it was over two weeks. I'm like, I haven't done a long, like a long run as in over like 12 or 13 miles in two weeks. Like I got to get something in. And, um, I've just learned not to panic about it. Like, I'm like, and again, I, Chicago in my mind, I had signed up and I'm still signed up for CIM. And that was sort of my goal race at the end in December. And Chicago was just like, I'm going to go do that for the age group world championship. That sounds fun. And I haven't been to Chicago in 20, it's been 20 years since I'd done Chicago. 
it wasn't really, I just kept thinking when I come back from Chicago, I'll get in a few more long ones and then CIM will be my, you know, that'll be my goal. So I wasn't panicked about it. It just was real. It just how it worked out. So I only got in, I think, three longer long runs and they were spread out really far. Like I said, they were 10 days to two weeks between them. Um, the other thing I did was races. And, you know, I was back to some racing. There was a period of time back around Labor Day when I did Annapolis 10 miler. I did Kentland's 5K. I did the Interfaith 5K. I feel like I did, you know, we had done some races over the summer. So, um, so I, I did some more races. I also did a series on Zwift, a duathlon series, which was once a week, I was doing um, 35 minutes of riding and they score you by how far you ride on Zwift and then five minute transition and then a 20 minute run. And they give you points for how much distance you cover in the 20 minutes. And you can do the run outside and just record it on Strava. So once a week, I was going out in my neighborhood and I was a crazy lady because a couple of times I did it. You could do it any, like there were different time slots and I would do, um, like the 8 p.m. time slot. So by the time I was on the run, it was 8.40 p.m. So I was in the dark in my neighborhood. And I found kind of a flat stretch of my neighborhood that I'd run back and forth and back and forth and back and forth to get as much distance as I could in 20 minutes. So I was doing speed work sort of. Like I don't usually do this. But once a week, I was going out and running for 20 minutes as hard as I could in my neighborhood up and down the street. And I just think that having that maybe that extra little bit of working harder, like, you know, a little bit um, might have might have made a difference. So having the races as my speed work, I, that might have made a difference. I think it was the consistency. I was, even if I wasn't getting in the long runs, I was consistent. I was getting out there. And to answer your question about your pace, Julie, I was very, very rarely on a good day. I was under nine, faster than nine fifteen a mile. Like that would be, Paul and I run together and we joke, wow, we were in the nine teens today. Like that's, that was a fast run today. Most of our runs were in closer to 9.30 per mile, 9.20 to 9.30 per mile. Um, that was, I'd say so, 90, 95% of my, short of those races. And that 20 minutes once a week that I did for a five week series where I'd go out and run that fast 20 minutes, that was it. So it right, was. So let's pause for a minute and let's digest that for a minute. Most of your running was in the 930 range. Most of your runs were the 930 range. 920 to 930. 920 to 930. And on a really hot day, probably a little more than 930 because there were some brutal days in the summer where you and I talked about like, you know, like some days you were closer to 10 on those hot, hot days. Um, so that was most of your runs. And then once a week, generally you would have a race or you were doing consistently um, for those uh, few weeks that duathlon thing, which I wish I had it had an opportunity to view that at eight at night, but we can talk about that. That's hilarious. But that was like that sort of like the same thing. You were doing short races, basically. Right, it was like almost a 5k. Like I could finish like yeah. almost 20 minutes. I would almost get in a little under 5k. So, right. So exactly. So I was basically doing once a week, not certainly not tailored to marathon. Training. It wasn't like in my mind of like, oh, this is a good marathon training speed work. No, I was not doing that. I did. What else did I do? I did. I'm trying to think of what other races. I feel like I did more races than I normally do. Well, especially since COVID, like, you know, for the last few years of training. And and so this is my fastest marathon time since pre-COVID. So I, I feel like having those races probably help. But again, and I also, I think just, you know, luckily staying healthy and frankly, the weather that we had in Chicago, it, it, everyone, we'll talk about it more, but, you know, everyone had a really good day in Chicago. Not every, not everyone, but you know, most people had a really good day because when the weather and, and I'm so weather dependent, like if it's too cold, especially, or if it's raining, like it's just, it's just tough for me. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I, I think all of that kind of came together and just, um, you know, staying healthy and, 
um, eating well, like good nutrition leading up to the race. And I was really cognizant of, you know, what I was taking in. I was, you know, luckily knock on wood, got there healthy with everything that's, you know, so many, lots of COVID and sicknesses and just viruses going around, um, got there healthy. So I think it just all ended up coming together. But if I had to point anything from training, it would be really, I wouldn't say it's a long runs, that's for sure. I would say it's consistency and mileage and adding in a little bit of, you know, of racing, um, was probably, and I would add in to recover from the racing, running your easy runs, easy, very easy. Your easy runs were generally over two minutes slower than your race, your marathon race pace. We're not even talking your 5k race pace. We're talking your marathon race pace. So yeah. Yeah. Your easy runs were easier than many runners we coach who, um, don't necessarily buy into it. And we hope that those listening hear this and understand that it really does make a difference when you keep your easy runs easy because you allowed me to get in more mileage too. Like I was, I, I will say I did probably I'm trying to think it like my highest mileage weeks. I was probably at 70 miles a week, which is a lot. Um, but I was running so much of it slow and easy that I was okay. Like I was, and I was recovering from any races. And again, the races I was doing most of them and anything I was doing was short. So it was 20 minutes. So, you know, certainly a week later I was okay. Um, uh, you know, Annapolis 10 mile, it was a longer one. And I think, you know, after that for a few days, I took it much easier. So, um, so So let me ask you this 70 miles, that's a very high mileage for you. Um, how long did it take you to build up to that 70 miles? That would be like your peak week. 20 years of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and really, like, honestly, how many like, weeks, how many weeks did you hover at that? And how did you fit that mileage in, in terms of a week when, especially those weeks where you weren't running necessarily a big 20 miler? Yeah. Um, I, I would say it was spread out throughout the week. So like in the middle of the week, I might do 13 miles, get in a very, a very easy, like, like nine thirties, you know, 13 miles. And then another day I might do 10 miles maybe two two days of 10 miles. Like I was getting up to like where my normal would be a seven mile run. I was doing 10 instead. Um, so I think that's how it just kind of grew over, over time was, um, you know, I'd be doing seven. I'll do like, let me do eight instead. Let me do 10 instead. And I would just get in a little bit longer medium distance runs through the week. So I would say if I did, I mean, 70 miles would be a week. I did 20 miles. I don't, you know, that would be like, so it'd be 20 and then 50 throughout the week is another, you know, a 15 mile run and then an eight mile run and a few 10 mile runs. So that's sort of how it ended up. I have to look back to see. Um, and I don't know, like, I don't pay attention that much to my mileage, but like, I would be thinking about it in a week of like, wow, when I have a 20 miler, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, how many miles did I do this week? And I'd be like, oh yeah, I did, you know, 13 on Wednesday and I did 10 the other day. And so I, you know, like I said, it would, it would get up a little bit farther, but look, honestly, Julie, it's taken me, like, 20, you know, it's, 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 it's been a very gradual build over the years. Like for Boston, I was probably maybe hit 65 miles a week, you know, like, and, and it's just like a very gradual build over, over, uh, it's more than 20 years now, you know, I've been running, I've been running marathons for 24 years. So it's just a very gradual build and it's knowing my body and like when, when, when it's too much, when, when I feel fatigued, like that, I can't do that when I, when I feel good, you know, I can, I can do that. But, um, uh, you know, it's also good nutrition, good sleep, like all of that has to be hand in hand with it. And frankly, good, good genetics. Like I'm just lucky that, um, genetically I'm able to do it because not everybody can. And that's when we coach runners, like you never know when somebody's threshold is, it's like how many miles can they do, um, and, and handle it. All really, really good points. 
So um, now that you've finished, you crossed the finish line at 311, you achieved a goal that you didn't even imagine you would achieve at this particular race. How are you feeling about doing CIM in a couple months? So it's really funny as, as I was running, I was kind of thinking like, wow, if I hit this A plus goal, when I go to CIM, I can just do it for fun. Like there's nothing else, you know, I don't need to, there's nothing to prove. There's nothing I don't need to, you know, and part of me was like, well, maybe I could try to go 310 at CIM, but it, it's not, you know, I don't, what, what, what will that get me? You know, a, a few more spots higher in the Boston, uh, you know, corrals, like that's, there's nothing that I, I don't need to, you know, I don't need to. So, so we'll see. Um, I'm going to see how recovery goes. Um, Paul and I are both going to CIM. So if he wants a buddy to run with, or he may not, <laughs> he may not want to come on with me. Like maybe I'll run with him. Maybe I'll just, you know, I don't know. I, I it's hard to say right now, right now I'll tell you, like, I don't want to, I want to run. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm like, I'm not running another marathon. You crazy, but give me four weeks or, you know, whatever. And I may feel great and want to go run another great race. And just, I, 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 but the pressure's off. So that's, that's the, um, that's, that's the, best. the best feeling. That's the best yeah. feeling. Best and you know what else? Uh, so congratulations, super proud of you. It, it really was such a bright spot to my day yesterday. You know, it was such a dichotomous weekend to balance everything going on. And then also wanting to so be thrilled for all of our Chicago results, including you and huge shout out also to our many runners who were in Chicago at our runners had fabulous races and it was really exciting for us as coaches. You know, we can't control the weather and we, you know, we've had kind of a, a rough week as coaches last weekend, twin cities was canceled, huge disappointment for our runners. And, um, they have bounced back and we've reconfigured their schedules with the different goal races. And then of course the announcement with Boston, it was just, we, we were, we don't take for granted a beautiful day at a flat marathon and what that can bring for our runners. And wow, really, really incredible results. Um, lots of PRs. Um, we have someone, Lena, who she ran her first marathon, her only other marathon in early 2000, 2001, I believe in her twenties. And now she's a mom in her forties and she had a 15 minute PR, which is incredible. Um, we have plenty of runners that had specific goals that they hit at Chicago. Um, of course, Eric Melby, our rock star, never ceases to amaze us at 75 years young. He ran a 402 and placed a mere fifth in his age group. Uh, Gene Dykes, we believe, took first in the age group, who's a previous podcast guest. So just really incredible, incredible results. And we're just so proud of our runners and, and thrilled that they were fortunate enough to take, take advantage of a fabulous weather day as you were able to. And the race itself, I mean, I'll be honest, like I, I get really excited looking at the professional athletes and what they can do. And, you know, I appreciate all of the work with the Fast Women newsletter. I mean, that I so love getting that in my inbox on Monday mornings to keep up with with what everything, what what unfolded at Chicago in a, in a very cohesive way. I'm not the best at following Chicago. The coverage was very confusing. So, you know, we I could heard they did. I heard they didn't even like I, focus on it at all. They really didn't. I mean, I was trying bits and pieces to get some coverage, and I, I'll be honest, I gave up. So, hearing what happened um, later was really exciting, and the fact that there was a course record set, and um, I mean, unbelievable. That course record was two eleven. But that wasn't a world record, which is unbelievable because that was set at, at Berlin. But Stefan, um, she's clearly has just a 
ton of flexibility in her running. She's able to set records in, in all distances, not just the marathon, which is incredible. And I don't know if you heard what Kira D'Amato did, but she posted, I think on her Strava or something where she mentioned that um, Stefan was ruthless because Ruth um, was uh -huh. with her until like um, later in the race and and then she, was she ruthless. dropped her and she was ruthless, which I thought was really <laughs> cute. And I mean, so many notable performances. I think a lot of people have been paying attention to Des and just want to highlight that she set, of course, the master's record and beat Dina Castor and typical Des. She said something like it went well until it didn't go well, but she had a tremendous race. And I love that Des was able to set a new goal and, and she just turned 40 and she took that and decided to break the master's record. And she did that. And that's incredible. And, um, Molly Seidel and, and her setbacks, and there was a terrific runner's world article. I know not everybody can have access to runner's world. And, uh, we tend not to post a lot of runner's world articles anymore on our socials because we realize that you have, it's a, it's all paywalled, but if there's any way that you're able to get access that article, it's really well done and talks a lot about her setbacks and her comeback at Chicago was incredible. And she set a PR and here's someone who won the bronze and set yeah. a PR at Chicago, which really illuminates how far women's running has come in a short time, because I mean, she wasn't even in the front, but yet she set her own PR. Um, I, I don't feel like, you know, we're in a position to really rehash what all of the elites did, but the elite women and what they did was remarkable. And then on the men's side, um, there was a world record set, which is incredible. Yeah, I mean, Kelvin Kipton. Yeah. And so um, just, just over two hours, I have no doubt that at some point. Okay. So they were announcing that on the course. I think I was at mile 15 when they're like, the winner, you know, set a new record. It said 235 and in my head I'm going 235 is not not a world record and I'm like oh my gosh they must mean two hours and 35 seconds I was like what and we're at like mile 15 which is very light that is incredible and and you know it's cool too because Boston is not a course that's that on the, runners cannot set records on the Boston course because it's a net downhill course so at a race like Chicago where it's flat as pancake and you have that weather that you all had yesterday how exciting that a record was set and it really I very much believe that um in our lifetime we'll see we'll see um a record set below two hours we're getting closer and closer yeah, um absolutely. so yeah so anything else you want to share about your day in Chicago um anything that I didn't ask you that you feel you would want folks to know um, you know, the only thing, and I don't want to end on a down, so we'll have to find like something good to end on after this, but, but, um, you know, at the finish, um, and this will not be an issue in the future, again, with the age group championship, they brought us back to the tent and, um, the bag check was the worst um, experience I've ever had in my life as a runner. Unfortunately, it sounds like their volunteers didn't show up. So they had almost 3000 bags and no volunteers to hand them out. And they had a line a half a mile long of people waiting for their bags. So what they ended up doing eventually was taking all the bags out of the bag check tent and just putting them in the grass in roughly not numerical order, but roughly the 26,000s are here. The 25,000s are here. The 27,000s are here and runners just running through the bags, trying to find their bags. It was awful. I luckily by some stroke of luck found mine. My watch started getting notifications from my phone. So I knew I was close and I found it. Um, Lori could not find hers and we just wanted to get back to the hotel. So we left and I went back later and took her bib back. And like, after things were starting to shut down and I went back and spoke to some very nice, um, young, I 
I think there were high school or college age volunteers who were like, we are so sorry. We were the only four or five here. They didn't send the volunteers that were supposed to come for this. And we felt so bad for all these runners coming back. They were tired. They wanted their bags. And there were only five of us to hand them out. So by the time I got back, they had kind of consolidated and finally organized the bags well. And they were so sweet. These volunteers were like, give me your bib. I didn't tell them it wasn't mine, it was Lauren's, but they said, give me their bib, we will go get your bag. They got it for me, they gave it back. And then I noticed, oh, there was this whole tent with like a, like a, a, a banquet going on. <laughs> like there was food, there was, I was like, oh, we didn't even see this because of the madness before. So that's the highlight is that I went in and had like, I got to like have, and I got my bag back and these volunteers were so lovely. These kids were, I said, I'm so sorry. You must've been so like upset and stressed that like people were angry, really angry really angry. We got an email while I was still standing in line, while we were still looking for our bags from um, Chicago Marathon saying we are aware of the problems of getting in in the morning and of the bag pickup and we apologize. And or maybe it was from the uh, Abbott World Marathon. It was, it was we got, got an email that basically apologized before we had even left the park. Um, so um, the highlight I will end up is that the, the volunteers were all really, really, really fabulous. And they were working as hard as they can. And I, I said, I am so sorry. You guys must have been so stressed. They said, no, we're so sorry. You guys all ran 26.2 miles and we couldn't get your bags to you. Like it was so, so hard. So I think that was just, you know, a, a, a logistical snafu that happened with, you know, the whole uh, age group world championship. So I would, Hope that that will not be the case in the future. Um, like I said, they have a ton of really great volunteers. Um, I think Chicago is just a really wonderful city to be in. Um, we got lucky with the weather. Uh, it was great to see everybody there. I missed having you there. You know, it was not, it's not the same to go for a marathon. Lori did a great job. It was awesome to be with her. She was really a great roomie and we had a really great time together. Um, but we Lori were talking about that. And oh, and shout out to Lori. She had a great race. She had a PR. She had a PR, huge PR for Lori too. Amazing. So we had a great, I said, we channeled all our emotions into that course. Um, but we were even talking about like when we were in Boston, you and I, and she came to our room and hung out and we had such a nice time hanging out together. And we were kind of reminiscing and wishing that we could do that again. So we, we missed you a lot. We're thinking about you a lot. You were with me in spirit. Um, and uh, yeah, great. Uh, highly recommend the Chicago marathon. It's a, lo a lot of logistics. Um, a lot of, I would say, you know, just uh, give yourself more time than you think for the, for everything, for the expo, for the start, for the finish, um, for everything, give yourself more time, but it is super well organized, really well staffed, <laughs> typically with volunteers. Everybody's so friendly. It's a really friendly city. Um, it's very, uh, you know, it, it's expensive, I think for most to stay in most places, but it's accessible. So you can stay a little bit farther out of the city. I could have stayed at Midway and taken the subway, in, you know, to the start if I had to. Um, so it's, it's pretty accessible. Uh, but, um, definitely highly amazing course. I didn't take it in as much as I wish I had because I was just so like focused on where I was and on the road ahead of me. I didn't take it in as much, but there are some great neighborhoods. I would say 95% of the course had, had spectators and people cheering and a lot of spirit and bands and music. And um, it, it's a really, it's a great race. So very good experience. I'm glad to be done. I'm glad to have it under my belt and have that, like, you know, just know that it's done and um, glad to be back. And you know, back to getting our runners ready for the rest of the fall marathons that we've got coming up. Yes, absolutely. And I almost forgot. I want to also give a shout out to our many runners who ran the army 10 miler yesterday. We had some phenomenal results with that as well. 
Um, also a great day here in the DC area and weather matters. And as a result, um, all of our runners who set out to do Army hit their time goals um, that they had set out that we had kind of decided on with them. And that was really exciting to see. We do not take for granted for one minute those weekends when the weather is good for our runners and they're able to execute the races that they train for. And so Lisa, I'm so proud of you, so happy for you, and um, just carry your accomplishment with you as long as you can. You deserve all the accolades and just all of the pride for what you did out there on that course, and you're very modest, and it's really unreal what you did at age 49 to hit a 311 on and, and doing it through smart training, recognizing what your body's capable of, and smart racing, so if there's any takeaways from this episode, I hope it's that, you know, when you listen to your body, when you tune in and when you're not necessarily wedded to a time goal, big things can happen. And when you're able to run your easy runs easy, big things can happen. So thank you for sharing all of this with, with me and with our listeners and congratulations to you. Thank you very much, Julie. All right. Well, have a now great back week. To our regularly, now back to our regularly scheduled program. Yes, absolutely. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryan. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.